You're listening to the Discriminology Podcast, the podcast that arms you with the knowledge and the tools to dismantle discrimination. With me, one of your hosts, Malik Sila. Welcome back, everyone, to a season two bonus episode of Discriminology. I'm your host for today, Malik Silal. And if you've listened to us in the past, you would know that our episodes tend to be 45 minutes to an hour. Today will be much shorter than that. The goal of today is for me to explain critical race theory in close to 10 minutes or less. A critical race theory has dominated the public discourse recently with fierce debates whether or not it's divisive rhetoric, whether or not it should be taught in schools whether or not it should be utilized at all. And my goal today is not to convince you one way or another. My goal is just to supply you with the requisite information to take part in the dialogue in an effective manner. So without any further ado, what is critical race theory? Critical race theory is a framework of legal analysis that looks to understand how U.S. laws function in regards to race. These studies were originated with the works of Derek Bell, Richard Delgado, Kimberly Crenshaw, Mari Matsuda, and many others have contributed, but those are the big names associated with the work. So one of your questions may be, why would anyone want to ban legal studies? It sounds pretty legitimate. Well, it's gone beyond legal studies because of the way it explains racism has been pervasive. Um, It's been utilized to discuss disparities in other institutions outside of the legal realm, such as education, housing, the wealth gap, pretty much any major institution in which our society functions upon. In regards to individuals wanting to ban critical race theory, in my opinion, that's more so derived in the subject matter in and of itself. As many of us know already, anything that has to do with race, racism, systemic oppression, is pretty uncomfortable to speak about for most of us. What's exacerbated the drive to ban it even more is the fact that it's been used as a catch-all phrase for anything related to race or racism, which it is not. In regards to it being taught in schools, uh, you'd be lucky to come across critical race theory in an intense grad program, let alone seeing it in high school. So the real crux of the issue is that many of the individuals engaging in the conversation around critical race theory simply don't know what it is beyond it having something to do with the race. But after listening to this podcast, you will not be one of those people. Obviously, there's much more to critical race theory than I could ever explain within 10 to 15 minutes, but we really think it's important to have at least a high-level overview. So there are six core tenets to critical race theory. Tenet number one is endemic racism. That states that racism is not aberrational. It's ordinary or normal science, which means that it's the usual way a society does business. More or less, this states that racism is ubiquitous in our society or it has a presence everywhere. In our thinking, in our institutions, systems, products, literally everything, racism is baked into it in somehow or is baked into it in some capacity. Inequalities or unfair advantages white people have over people of color are taken as natural, inevitable, and relatively unchangeable, whether perpetuated actively or without intent according to this tenet. So one quick example of racism being baked into everything would be if you've ever heard of soap dispensers not working on darker skin. The product was created without any intent of being racist, but it excluded many people of color 
because of lack of access to institutions and organizations that create products like this. Again, this is the 10-minute version, so if you want to look up more examples, you'd have to do that on your own. But just to make a little bit more sense, that's a very easy example of endemic racism to grasp. Tenet number two, critiques of liberal myths. Yes, so critical race theory does not discriminate in the sense that it's taken shots at both ends of the political spectrum in the United States. This tenet states that the notion of equality, whether it's in housing, education, law, or any other institutions that I referred to prior is a fallacy. So it essentially disparages liberal notions of meritocracy, colorblindness, or the idea of race neutrality. Tenet number three is whiteness as property. This tenet states that there is tangible value in whiteness in the United States. Whiteness under this tenet is a commodity that grants those who possess it certain unearned advantages, including preference, legitimacy, and authority. Moving on to the fourth tenet, we have interest convergence. This theory states that people of color only make strides or advancements in civil rights when those advancements are mutually beneficial to the dominant culture, which is white people in the United States. The interests of both groups or parties must align, hence the name interest convergence. A few examples of this include affirmative action, uh, sports, entertainment, integration, the passage of civil rights legislations in the 60s. So just to just to be more specific, affirmative action has predominantly benefited white women, and many of the civil rights legislation passed was influenced by international pressure brought on by the Cold War era, according to critical race theory. At the time, Russia and U.S. tensions were high and many black and brown nations were overcoming colonial rule. To avoid these newly sovereign nations from aligning themselves with socialism, it was in the United States' best interest to showcase better treatment of people of color on the international stage. You know, just to relate it back to the civil rights movement, uh, Bull Connors, fire hoses, and dogs being unleashed on civil rights protesters probably was not the best way to enhance that image. So according to critical race theory, the interests converged in this sense, and this was kind of the impetus for driving civil rights legislation. Tenet five is counter-narratives. This tenet states that the personal stories of people of color are legitimate sources of evidence that challenge the dominant culture. These voices tend to be white, male, and socially elite that are treated as validated standards of knowledge in our society. And the last major tenet that we will go over in this high-level overview is intersectionality. This is a topic that we've referenced on the show prior, but we could have been, we definitely could have been more clear about it. This tenet was founded by Kimberly Crenshaw, and it explains the interconnected nature of social categories. It originally was created to explain the unique experience of Black women since they belong to two marginalized groups, being women and, of course, being Black. Marginalization is exacerbated by being a member of two oppressed groups. The school of thought has expanded to other categories of oppression, which include other racial identifiers, ableism, sexism, classism, any ism you can think of. Just as a quick and easy example to better understand intersectionality, imagine a black gay woman walks into a store and experiences some form of microaggression or mistreatment. That individual has no idea if that mistreatment is derived from her identity as a black person, her identity as a woman, or as her identity being a member of the LGBTQ community. Intersectionality really dives into the crux of issues uh, like the one I just laid out. So there you have it. Critical race theory in close to under 10 minutes. Not sure how I did on time today. 
the information presented today was pulled from Richard Delgado's book on critical race theory and a thread from Professor Uju Anya. If you'd like to take a deeper dive into critical race theory, be sure to look up the names and references that I aforementioned. We also have our own expanded episode on critical race theory that features Dr. Angela Anwachi Willig, and that's earlier in season two. So be sure to check that out. Uh, Stay plugged in with us on social media. We'll be posting additional resources there as well. Hopefully now you know a little bit more about critical race theory than you did before you listened to this condensed podcast. Uh, Feel free to hit us up with questions, concerns. It was definitely a lot of information to throw you at once, so feel free to go back and re-listen to any of the tenants that weren't clear at first. Thanks for tuning in today. We'll catch you on the next podcast, and stay tuned for season three. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Discriminology Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and to follow us on Instagram at Discriminology underscore podcast or on Facebook at Discriminology 3. Until next time, peace.